Guys, um, based on a couple of questions that I got last week uh, after I got through teaching, I, I feel like it's necessary for, go, for me to go back and do something, just kind of a, uh, um, a brief summary, and I, and I do mean brief, it won't, be, it won't take long, but I, I need to tell you where we are so that you don't get confused, um, at least as these two questioners were last week. Guys, we are in a series called Biblical Anthropology. We're trying to figure out what the Bible has to say about us. Um, and in most theological circles, uh, uh, anthropology from the Scriptures breaks down man's um, states or conditions into four areas. Um, the fourfold state of man, number one, the, the first one was the state of purity uh, or innocence, and that lasted all of two chapters. Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve, um, uh, perfectly free, no sin, etc. That's the first state of man. The second was the state of fallenness, and that begins, of course, in Genesis 3. So this, this only lasted um, two chapters, and um, this state has been going on ever since Genesis chapter 3. It's still going on today. Then, of course, uh, there is the regenerate state. Um, that is, that God the Holy Spirit brings us to life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and we sit here as people who know and love the Lord Jesus because of the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. That's the regenerate state. And then, of course, the glorified state. And none of us have made it there yet. At least if you're here tonight, you haven't. But that's the, the, the eternal state in heaven. Okay, now here, here's the problem. <clears throat> Guys, we are talking about this. That's where we are. We, we, we did, the, did this first day back in the fall. And ever since we've gotten back together in January, we've been talking about this. When I'm describing the heart um, as I am on Wednesday nights, we're talking about this man. Not this man, this man. Now, um, what changes goes on in the heart in regeneration, we'll talk about that. But we'll talk about that when we get down here to the regenerate state. Right now, we're talking about the fallen state. What impact did the fall have on all of us. Um, so, when, when we're talking about Genesis 6-5, which we're going to do again tonight, um, that's a description of man in his state of fallenness or in the state of unregeneracy. He is not alive. He is dead in his trespasses and sins. Okay, so, so don't confuse this one with this one. We'll talk about this one later. But I mean, in a year or two, um, we will. But we've got about a year or so to go to talk about man in his fallen state. I hope that's helpful um, because there was some confusion that I created, and I'm sorry about that. Now, to start tonight, I want you to go back to that 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 statement that is made in in Genesis chapter six, verse five, and we're going to talk about uh, this this corruption created by uh, the entrance of sin in the historic fall in Genesis chapter 3. Um, 
There's one part of Genesis chapter 6-5 that I wanted to underscore tonight. I wanted you to look at it because it's, it is really quite devastating. Uh, verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And we've been talking about was great on the earth uh, for the last couple of weeks. And here it comes. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Um, every intention of the thoughts of his heart. Now, folks, uh, again, we're talking about the unregenerate man, but every intention of the thoughts of his heart. You know what you're talking about there? You're talking about uh, motives. You're talking about thought life. You know, folks, um, the real battle against sin, at least for so many of us, is not so much the one on the outside, it's the one on the inside. Very honestly, um, you know, I'm doing pretty good on the outside. I mean, I don't steal anymore. Uh, I haven't murdered anybody lately. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fairly acceptable on the outside. But that's not the problem. I mean, we get on the inside. We in wide open country. <laughs> I remember... When I was a lad, I mean, this had to be in the 50s. So, I mean, um, my daddy and I used to watch Amos and Andy. I don't know whether you remember Amos and Andy, but, I mean, it was quite funny. I mean, um, you couldn't get away with it anymore because of all these racist accusations. It wasn't racist. But anyway, you know, there was, there was Amos, there was Andy, and then there was Kingfish. And Andy, in one episode, um, had gotten himself a girlfriend. And he was all excited about the girlfriend, and she turned out, it seemed that she was kind of a grave digger, I mean a gold digger. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. She was a gold digger, and um, uh, so he'd gotten more and more interested in this woman, and, and uh, she hit him with this fact that she needed some dental work before they got married. And, um, uh, <laughs> and so Andy was really quite despondent about, about the fact that you know, this woman that he was now interested in needed so much dental work. And so Kingfish is asking him, you know, Andy, uh, I mean, just how bad, <laughs> just how bad is it, Andy? And, and, and Andy said, um, well, the front teeth are pretty good, but when you get in the back, you in wide open country. <laughs> Well, my point is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my front teeth are pretty good. But when you get in the back, when you get in the inside, that's wide open country. Gang, um, one, of the, one of the things that is so flabbergasting about the, 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 the culture is that the culture defines good based on what it sees on the outside. Um, but wouldn't dream of addressing the things that are going on on the inside. Gang, you know, I mean, I, I think you do. I, I think you've had this experience. Like, um, you're, you're not bothering a soul. You're not trying to find sin. And all of a sudden, there's something that's going on in your mind. And it ain't pretty. How'd it get there? 
Because of the impact of the fall, ladies and gentlemen, every intention of the thoughts, every motive. You know, I get this question um, from a pastoral um, perspective on a number of occasions. Um, I think I said something about it, but back years ago, before Grace Event started, um, I was, it was the four of us, the R.C. Sproul, his wife, Bess, Chuck Green, and me, and we were, we'd gone out to supper, and um, so we went back over to this apartment that, that the seminary had rented him, and um, um, Jimmy Latimer had mentioned to me the possibility of starting a church. And so, you know, we, Susie and I were thinking thinking through whether or not we should do this, and so I, I made this statement um, in R.C.'s apartment one night. I said, um, you know, I just don't know whether I want to start this church because I'm interested to see the kingdom of God expanded and, and benefited, or is it just because, just because I want to be uh, in charge of something? And he said, well, it's probably because you just want to be in charge of something. <laughs> At least 30%. But the other 70% is probably because you want to see some kingdom expansion. So forget the 30 and go with the 70 but folks, where did that 30 come from? Ladies and gentlemen, you have never had a 100% pure motive in your life over anything. Your motives and your thought life, all of that has been dragged into this cesspool along with everything else because of the fall. That's what's being claimed here in Genesis 6-5. All of the intentions, all those motives behind those choices. In addition to that, my thought life. You know, there was an Alfred Hitchcock uh, episode one time where this guy uh, was given some glasses. I don't know where he bought them or stole them or, or inherited them. But anyway, um, uh, every time he put on the glasses, he could read people's minds. And, um, you know, he would, he would look at Mike Davis, and Mike Davis is sitting there thinking, Jimmy Young is fat and ugly. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and I could see Mike Davis thinking, Jimmy Young's fat and ugly. And so finally he had to take the glasses off because he'd look around and he'd see, oh, mm, mm. And finally, because of the glasses, he went insane because he could see people's motives. Your motives. You've never had a 100% pure one, ever. Ever. So like R.C. said, <clears throat> you try to forget the 30 and you move with the 70. All of that was brought on, folks, and that's what's in view here in Romans 6.5. Every intention of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Now, folks, <clears throat> um, what I want to give you, <laughs> what I want to give you is what I consider to be a quick and a brief look at all that the Scripture has to say about us in our fallen condition. And I want you to know that I have been very selective. You won't agree that it is either quick or brief, um, or that I've restrained myself. But I just have to 
I mean, one of these days, maybe I'll go with my notes with you and show you what all I'm leaving out. Because here's what, here's what you do. If you want to do this, you can do this. I mean, this is where I really put my notes together. You get yourself a concordance. I meant to bring mine. I've got a, I've got a, you know, there's three concordances out. There's um, uh, Cruden's, Young's, and Strong's. Those are the three concordances that are available to you. And they say, Cruden's for the crude, Young's for the young, and Strong's for the strong. So if you want a concordance, you get Strong's. Well, that's what I've got, is Strong's concordance. And you get yourself a concordance, and you look up a word like darkness. Well, that'll take you a week and a half to just trace down darkness. Or then you try... um, Wicked, or wickedness, or wickedly. And then, I I found this very interesting. You look for mind, M-I-N-D. There's 50. But if you say minds, just add an S, you've got another 400 to look at. I would love to put this in some kind of sequence for you. I tried. I tried to, you know, we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to work through all the way to the book of Revelation. I tried. I gave up. Because the Bible just takes you everywhere. In its discussion of and assessment of fallen man. And very honestly, um, it's not very flattering and so here's the best I could do in terms of organizing things for you. I, I hope this is a little bit of organization. That, that the corruption that we experience and see in the unregenerate man has spread through all of the faculties of human, uh, human nature. The mind, the will, the emotions, the conscience, and the memory have all been affected. And so what I'm going to try to do is just go through those faculties about um, where, the, where, the, where the text mentions something about the faculties of man and how they've been harmed by sin and how sin affects them. So, tonight we start with the mind. That is, that's the first faculty through which or to which sin has spread you remember, um, we read from um, Romans 3 last, um, last week, and uh, one of the statements that's found in Luke 3 is, no one understands. Folks, you can discuss with an unregenerate man quantum physics or black holes or AI, and they engage immediately. But you talk to them about redemption, you talk to them about sin and what it's done, and no one understands. Why is that? Why is it that um, with people who are educated, smart people, educated people, it's like they've got, it's, it's like they're Samson. 
You know, they got both their eyes poked out. They're blind as bats. And it's like a blank stare. Why? Because no one understands. Why? Because of sin. That's what sin has done, folks. And so when you hear sports broadcasters talking about, well, he's just a fine, fine man. Let me tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about his outside. He's not talking about the inside. But that's the focus of Genesis 6-5. And so that corruption brought on by sin has swept through all of our, our, our faculties, including the mind. That's the first one. Um, no one understands, but here's something else. Oh, um, same book in Romans chapter 8, um, this statement is found. Uh, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's Romans 8, 7. The unregenerate mind is hostile to God. You know, guys, that's in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 5, there is a, a, a description of, of uh, unregenerate man. And on two occasions, Romans 5.10 and Romans 5.13, something like that. They are called enemies. Enemies. Um, you know, I have been prone in the past. I've, I've pretty much modified my approach just because I don't want to create problems and because I'm such a nice person. Um, but in my weddings, I would use the word enemies. If you're outside of Christ, you're an enemy of God. I did that one time years ago. I mean, it was 35 years ago. <clears throat> and I got a phone call in the week, and it was from a, a man, and he was, he was pretty cordial. He was Jewish. <clears throat> and um, he told me in no uncertain terms just how much he disliked my having called them enemies, people who are outside of Christ. Well, of course, the text uses the word, but look at this, folks. The mind on the flesh is death. But the mind on the spirit, but the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile. It's hostile to God. Um, yes, folks, the mind is hostile. Let, let me show you just one, one more that I, I thought was so good because this is, this is what Paul does when he ties these two together. This is in Titus chapter 1, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. That is Titus chapter 115. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Why? How? How did that take place? How did that, how did that happen? Because, ladies and gentlemen, of the results of the fall. Here's another uh, statement that Paul makes, oh, and I, I love this one because it's, it's so applicable. This is in Colossians chapter um, 1, verse 21, and notice what he ties together. Um, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Folks, do you know what the result of a hostile mind is? Evil deeds. Where do the evil deeds come from? From the hostile mind. And where does the hostile mind come from? It came from the fall. And that's who I was. That's who Paul says he was. That's who you were. We brought into this life a mind wrecked, scarred, made hostile to God. And completely 
blind to spiritual things. Now, now guys, let me just pause. Because, okay, if that is true, Jimmy Young, then what on earth is going to, what on earth is necessary to change it? Regeneration. The sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God that gives, I mean, the the term that is used in Ezekiel, it exchanges a heart, but included in the heart, of course, is the mind. How do I get rid of that hostility? And, And then once the hostility is gone, my evil deeds get less. And I told you I don't steal anymore. Gang, did you ever notice that in the three-year ministry of Jesus Christ, how few people were converted? I mean, there were some. I'm not sure I could name ten. Maybe I could. And yet, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, thousands are converted in one day. Why? Why? Because of the Holy Spirit's work to exchange hostile hearts for quieted hearts. <clears throat> Gang, um, here's what, the, 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 one of the first things that, that, that sin has done is, of course, to turn the mind uh, into hostility against God. But listen to this. This is a statement that I, I, I preached on not too long ago. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 23, excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. He says this, but if your eye is bad, the thing that lets light into your body, the whole body would be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, listen to this, how great is the darkness? The unregenerate man. How great, how great is the darkness. A darkness that allows him to understand quantum physics, but will not allow him to understand the simplest principle of what it means to be related to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And and here's something that I, I mean, this is just a, what I think is a, a good observation But listen to Paul in Titus chapter 3. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Did you hear that? This is Paul describing himself in his unregenerate state. I'm going to read it again. We were once foolish, Disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. Now here's the observation. Paul is describing himself during a period in his life where he was considered to be 
blameless according to the law. Do you get that? I mean, you remember, that's how he describes himself. In Philippians 3, he's, he's talking about his days as a, as a Jew. And he was blameless according to the law. But now he's been given a new heart. And he looks back on what he was in that state, this state. And he says, was foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. <laughs> you don't remember any of that, do you? Um, passing our days in malice and envy. 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 What do you envy with? Well, you don't envy with your tongue. You don't uh, envy with your hands. What do you envy with? You see, on the outside, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. But on the inside, that's wide open country. For all kinds of things like envy and hatred of others and hating one another. Folks, do you know who led the greatest rebellion that there was recorded in the Old Testament against Moses? His brother and his sister, Miriam and Aaron. And you know why? They didn't like the fact that he was number one, they were number two. Hating one another. Can you imagine? Your own brother and your own sister? Who hate you? Folks, in, in the unregenerate state, we have a natural bias to evil. There, there is a, a, this, I thought it was almost comical, um, what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah, this, you don't need to turn this. This is Jeremiah 4.22. And he says, they are wise in doing evil, but how to do good? They know not. Oh, when accomplishing something evil, they're really skilled. But to know how to do good. They know how to do the moral, by the way. They know how to be moral. Because the, Lord, the world loves morality. Just doesn't like goodness. And, and Solomon kicks in a statement. I tell you, you, you just try to track it all down. And Solomon says this. Um, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. But wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. But you see, they don't have any understanding. Because the faculty of the mind has been ruined. All because of the entrance of sin, folks. The psalmist in Psalm 58 says, we are estranged from the womb. I'm telling you folks, if any of you have ever had children, you know how true that is. I, I'm going to say this again probably maybe next week, but in our home, we never had lessons for lying 
for the kids. Okay, kids, come on in here. Let, me, let, let daddy teach you how to lie. But they knew how to lie. Yours knew how to lie too, didn't they? I never called him in and said, come on in the living room. I want to teach y'all how to be, you know, just crassly and grossly selfish. But they knew how, didn't they? Without us giving us one lesson. Because they're estranged from the womb. Now, I've only got about three minutes left, and I want to tell you a quick story. But I, I hope it illustrates what I hope, what I wanted to illustrate, and that is that the faculty of the mind has been ruined by the corruption of sin. And it's a story, and I'm I'm not I'm really afraid to ask you to turn there because I because it this story, it's an old testament parable, and it contains some very nasty words. Nasty words. I'm telling you, um, I, at the risk of losing my job, uh, it's in Ezekiel chapter 23, but I'm not going to read it because I'm afraid, you know, that some of you, whatever, would have trouble with the words that are found in the text. You know, I've had people critique me for that. And all I did was mention the word, oh no, I read the text. And so now I, I don't say rape anymore. I say sexual assault. Because though the, that's what the parents didn't like. That. But it was in the text. Well, if you're here who didn't like that, then don't read Ezekiel 23. Please don't read Ezekiel 23. It's nasty. And inspired. By God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read you just a, it's, it's a, it's a parable, um, but I'm just going to give you a taste. But I mean, this is, uh, this is at the top. Um, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. They played the whore in Egypt. Oh, it goes downhill from there. So, uh, but that'll give you an idea. Now, this is, this is a parable, folks, and I can prove it's a parable. Um, it says they, were, they played the whore in Egypt. Their names were um, Ohola and Oholiba. And then it goes out of its way in verse 4, and it says, Ohola is Samaria, and Oholiba is Jerusalem. It's a parable, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> and Ohola represents Samaria, which was the capital of the northern kingdom. You know the kingdom split after Solomon, Rehoboam split. The capital of the northern kingdom was Samaria. So to represent Samaria, her name is Ohola. Now tonight, when you're in the confines of your own bedroom, you can read the, what Ohola did parabolically. You can read what she did, okay? But let me just tell you, it ain't pretty. Now that was the northern kingdom, Samaria. Oholibah is Jerusalem. 
Now, what Oholah did is described in verses 5 through 10. And then, it, oh, and then God crushed her. You, you know, dragged her off into Assyrian captivity um, uh, because of her sin, etc. Now here's what the text says. Her sister, Oholibah, saw this. I watched my sister, says Jerusalem. I watched my sister, Samaria, fall into all kinds of sin. And God didn't sit idly by, and he came and he squashed them and dragged them off into a captivity in Assyria. And I watched that, says Jerusalem. And then listen to the next words. And she, that is Oholibah, became more corrupt than her sister. Folks, you see, if you've got a half a brain and you watch your sister get dragged into an Assyrian captivity, then what would be the smartest, wisest, most, re- mo- most sane thing to do? Clean up your act! But instead, Oholibah! Decided to do worse. And it's described there for you. You want to read it? Why? How could any sane person watch Ohola and make a choice like Oholiba? I'll tell you how. Because sin has rendered them insane. Sin has corrupted the faculty of the mind. And not only do they not think straight, they positively think crooked. Why? Because the fall has ravaged them in the mind. And as Paul said, that led to their evil deeds. we got to quit. Heavenly Father, would you use your word to remind us of that from which you have delivered us? There was a day, just like Paul, when we thought all was well with us and that we were, that we were just in great shape concerning the law. And then... You rolled back some of that darkness and you gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. And we saw all of those things that were true of us that nobody on the outside could see, but we knew them to be true on the inside. We bless you, O God, for having brought us to yourself by giving us a new heart. But Father, if you brought people here tonight who have not yet met our Savior, who are still in this state of unregeneracy, in the fallenness of their own humanity, would you cause them to see it in the starkest of colors? And then might they be wooed irresistibly 
to the finished work of Jesus Christ as the remedy. We commit ourselves to that, Father, as a church and as individuals, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.